This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. Well, tonight's going to be interesting. We're on part five of our series called True Grit. Now, we've been learning, and I guess I need to fill everybody in. Some of you haven't been here for all this. But here goes my spiel. This is the fifth time some of you have heard this story, but hear it again. So back in September, I went up to Big Bear for a few days to hear from the Lord. And I, I just needed, I needed to, I needed to talk to God for a little bit. And it's very biblical to, to take a minute to, to go have some solitude and hear from God. That's what our sermon was about last week. So I'm up there and, and one morning I wake up and I say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to know what it is you've called me aside for a few days to tell me. So I open up my Bible to the Gospel of Mark, which isn't, you know, the longest book in the Bible. It's only 16 chapters. But within a matter of what seemed like minutes, I don't exactly know how long it was, but I read the whole book. And it wasn't like a speed reading, like a trying to read as fast as I could. I read the entire book within a short amount of time, and I got so much revelation out of it. I mean, God spoke so many things to me. And I started taking note of all these really strong character traits that Jesus Jesus had. I mean, really manly stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So, so I, I, I'm looking at all this and then I kind of feel guilty because I'm telling Jesus how manly he is. And so I'm like, well, what's a better way to tell Jesus how manly he is? And I'm like, Jesus had grit. Jesus had backbone. Jesus wasn't, you know, a little sissy boy like a lot of us think. Now, Jesus is true. And I say this every time he is soft and delicate and tender and loving and compassionate. And his mercy endures forever unto a thousand generations. I get that, but Jesus is not a pansy. Jesus is tough. Jesus stood up for what needed to be stood up for. Jesus didn't get pushed around by the devil. Jesus was tough. He had backbone. He had grit. He had spunk and he had guts. And he did something about it. And so... The Lord showed me ten things in that short amount of time, and I wrote them down, and, and it took as many notes as I could. And so what I've done over the last five weeks is I'm sharing with you these ten things. And this week is actually the eighth one. And so I'm sorry, guys, we're running out of stuff to tell you, but, but we're, we're, we're coming to an end here. But I'm going to just talk about one of the things tonight, and the topic is this, tough love. Tough love. Now, it's interesting for me because, as a lot of you know, I mean, I'm the type of guy that wears cardigans. You know what I mean? I got, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the meanest guy in the world. I, I'm, I'm a pretty soft guy. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I mean, I don't cry and stuff, but I'm just, I'm a soft guy. I, I'm, I'm, I, I love people. I'm a lover. But there's truth to the fact that there is a time and a place to exhibit tough love. There's a time for hugs. But there's also a time to just shoot straight with people and say, dude, you are messed up right now. You need some help. And, and people don't want to hear that. People get mad at you for saying that. But Jesus would tell people like it is because the truth will set you free. So the, the, what I want to show you tonight, uh, the first thing is in Mark chapter 9. i got to show you this story real quick. Mark chapter 9, and then the rest of the night, I believe we're going to be in the book of John. But Mark chapter 9, 
And so here's this story about this man. His son was possessed by the devil. It was a, I mean, it was actually a pretty ugly situation that we're looking at here. This guy's son is possessed by the devil. And I mean, this, this evil spirit that had control of him, it would take control of him. It would, it would throw him into water and try to drown him. It would throw him into the fire and, and all this stuff. His parents had to always be watching because It was bad. I mean, this is a very, very bad situation. And so this man brings his son to the disciples and says, hey, cast the devil out of my son. And and they, they can't get it done. And so here's what happens when Jesus arrives on the scene. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 17. I want to show you this. One of the men in the crowd spoke and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit. They couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And I'm like, Jesus, calm down, man. Whoa, I didn't expect that. I expected Jesus to be like, let's gather around, sing Kumbaya, and then we'll just... But no, Jesus said, you disgust me. I'm like, whoa, time out, Jesus. But of course, Jesus, he's like, bring the boy to me. And Jesus casts the devil out. Jesus takes care of the whole situation. But this story really confused me. I'm like, Jesus... That was pretty mean. I mean, that was I'm, that's that was borderline offensive, Jesus. What are you talking about right here? But the truth of the matter is this, is that Jesus was never wrong. And Jesus is full of love, so he never did anything to be mean. He never. So what we're looking at here is a situation where the disciples did not need a pat on the back and say, well, you guys tried your best. Better luck next time. I mean, just give you a blue ribbon for trying. No. It wasn't like that. There was no participation trophy here. Jesus said, you guys are disgusting. What is wrong with you? How do, how, do I have to put up with you forever? Jesus got really, really bold and straightforward right here. And so this shows me one of the amazing character traits that Jesus has that I want. And that is to know when to show tough love to people that need it. Now, I'll say this, tough love doesn't mean that you're the judge and the inspector general of everybody else's life, because I know some people are like, well, that's my job in the body of Christ. I'm the tough love lady, and I just, I have to point out everybody's faults and tell them where they're wrong. Like, no, you're not. You're not. That is not your calling. No, sit down. You're not called to do that. But some people think they are. That's not what I'm talking about. Godly, tough love, like Jesus showed, is knowing when the right time is to exhibit and show the truth to people through tough love. Explaining the truth to them at the right time in the right manner. And so let's pray, but I've got three things I want to show you tonight. And I really believe that if you listen, God's going to speak to you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord as we do every week, that we have an amazing church to come in and worship you, Lord. We're surrounded by our family right here, our brothers and our sisters in the Lord, and we thank you that we're here for each other. And God, I pray tonight that as we open up our hearts to the Word of God, that you are going to speak to each person here. You know what each one is facing, Lord, when they walk out of these doors. We're all looking at different things, God, but you are the same answer to every single one of our issues and every single one of our lives. And I pray that you will show us what we need to see tonight. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said... Amen. Number one is this. Love doesn't lie. 
Love don't lie. No, that's not correct English, but love don't lie. Love does not lie. And we've all been in situations where somebody asks for the truth, but you don't want to give it to them because you're afraid that it's going to hurt their feelings. Anybody? I've been there. I'm Mr. Softy. Ask anybody around that. I mean, when we, Katie and I did youth group, all the kids knew like, hey, you go to Pastor Dave, he'll probably let you do whatever you want. And they wouldn't go to Katie for stuff because they're like, she'll tell them the truth. Like, Pastor Dave, we really want to do this. Okay. Like, I'm just, I'm like that. Uh, But the truth of the matter is we've all been in situations where somebody asks for the truth and we don't want to hurt their feelings, so we lie to them. I know I'm not the only one. And I mean, I'm guilty. That's a sin. I've said, oh, no, you're good, man. Just I wouldn't worry about that. Just go on. But that that is not a loving way to deal with people because love does not lie. And it, it may seem harmless for a little while to, you know, just kind of live that way. But in reality, that's a bad habit to develop. Lying to spare people's feelings is still lying. And that doesn't help people because truth sets people free, not babying people's emotions sets them free. The truth sets them free. And so, again, we don't need to be rude, okay? Love is not rude. First Corinthians 13 says that, that love is not rude, Okay, so again, if you're one of those that thinks that you're God's inspector general to the body of Christ and it's your job to be Captain Rudy Pants, then no, that is not your call. We'll find a different spot for you. The janitorial team's looking for volunteers, actually, so you go, go do that. But there have been times where, you know, maybe I, I've had to tell, you know, let's, we'll just, you know, make up names here, but one comes up to me and, and, and I'm, I have to tell him, hey, you hurt number two's feelings. They told me what you said and it hurt their feelings. I think you should apologize to them. Okay, so number one goes to number two. Hey, I heard I hurt your feelings and I just want to apologize. Oh, no, no, you didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, what are you talking about? No, you didn't hurt my feelings. That's a lie. Man up and say, yeah, man, that, that hurt. You hurt my feelings. Yes. Because when you say, no, I don't know, I don't know, that you hurt my feelings, that makes old Pastor Dave look like a liar. You know what I mean? That makes me look bad. That makes, that makes somebody else look bad when you don't stand up and say, yeah, you offended me, man. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. And, and we, you know, don't lie to spare people's feelings. That is not the way to handle things. That is not love because love doesn't lie. And, you know, I, we went here a few weeks ago. I'm not going to go there tonight. But in our current snowflake generation, most people can't handle the truth. People are terrified of the truth in our day and age. They are absolutely horrified. If you tell a lot of people the truth, they'll have a full-fledged meltdown. And, I mean, just call you names and all sorts of stuff. And, and like, you asked me what I thought about what you're wearing. I wasn't judging you. You asked, you know, but but people these days more than ever, I really think that people, when they are confronted with the truth, they get super offended. And and I mean, that shouldn't be the case. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you need to lie to everybody. If someone's out there doing something wrong, man, and they ask you, hey, what do you think about this? You're wrong. That's going to hurt you. man. That's going to bite you in the behind if you keep doing that. You can't live that way. That is going to hurt you. And it's not loving to tell somebody living in sin, it's okay. I mean, God loves all his children. Let's hold hands and just 
You know, do you know? Let, let, come on, let's have let's let's go play with Play-Doh and crowns. Listen, that's not helping anybody. That stuff's sending people to hell, man. Because Christians don't have any backbone, they don't have any guts to tell people the truth anymore. That's not love. That is, in my opinion, very very mean. And so, you know, while it, it may provide temporary comfort to me and to you for me to just sugarcoat things for you and, and not really tell you the full truth. It may, it may make things temporarily comfortable, but it will do long-term damage. Long-term damage if we can't speak the truth. And so let me show you something here. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, hold on to your seats, guys. This is going to be a bumpy ride tonight. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just going to promise... <laughs> John chapter 14, verse 6. But who wants to be more like Jesus? All right, okay. I'm good 75% of you do, and that's a good sign, all right? That's a good sign. That's good. But, uh, you know, sometimes there are character traits of Jesus that are not the easiest to imitate. John chapter 14, let's look at verse 6. John 14, verse 6. And here's something that Jesus says that isn't the most popular statement he ever made. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus, I mean, there's about 50 sermons in that one verse right there. But let's look at a couple of things here. First of all, Jesus said there is only one way to heaven. That's not popular to tell people these days because... We like to tell everybody, well, all, you know, there's many roads that lead to Rome. Dude, I'm not shooting for Rome. I'm trying to get to heaven right now. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you can go to Rome. I'm going to heaven. And there's only one way to get there. And people are like, well, yeah, you know, try to be good. Try to. And no, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And people don't want to hear that because... We like to think that truth is subjective to whatever, we, you know, truth is what you think it is. No, it's not. Truth is what God said it is. You don't get to make up the truth. People are crazy these days. People make up their own truth, and, and that's dangerous, man. If you're allowed to choose what's true for you, that's dangerous, man. People are playing with fire, and, and, and they're making fools of themselves. I'm not making this up. So in USA Today, I think it was on November 13th, just a few weeks ago, saw this man in Florida. And if you, you know, if you're a snowflake, don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to tell this story, okay? Was born a white male, identifies as a Filipino female. And everyone said, yeah, that's cool, man. You're, that's right, you're a Filipino girl. No, you're not. You're a fat white guy. I saw him. It's a picture. I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. Don't think I'm mean. But I, I've seen the guy's picture. He was in, in USA Today. And I just read this article last night again. I'm like, that's not a Filipino girl. That's a dude. And that's, a, and he's white. That's, that's, and, and everyone around him is like, no, you just be who you want to be. Really? You just be, so I identify as an astronaut and a brain surgeon. And I mean, no, you don't make up what's true. Facts are facts. This is a white guy. Guy. But let me show you something here. Um, yeah, I know. We're all over the place tonight. <laughs> so the, the guy, his, his name from birth is Adam, but he changed his name to Jadu. Not quite sure what that means. But anyway, here's, here's how he knew that he was Filipino. 
He says he grew up enjoying Filipino food events and the overall culture. Whenever I'm around the music, around the food, I feel like I'm in my own skin, he said. This is Jadu speaking. I channel sometimes for hours. Nothing else intrigued me more than things about Filipino culture. So because you like Filipino food and you've watched documentaries on the History Channel, you are now Filipino. And everybody's like, yeah, that's cool. Bravo for him. He found who he is. No, that's a lie. You are not. That is a lie. Listen, I like tacos and drinking horchata. Come on. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm a Mexican, does it? You don't get to choose. God chose for you. Amen. But the problem is this, is that nobody's coming up to Jadu and saying, Jadu, you're Jadu. You're a guy and you're not, you're not Filipino. People won't tell him the truth. And because of that, here's this person that's on. I mean, you know, this is so politically incorrect. It's not even funny right now. But what I'm trying to tell you, the time for that, it's over. People are lying to this guy and telling him, you're a Filipino girl. No, he is not. That's a lie. And, and, and that's doing damage. That's not helping this guy out and saying, I mean, I know your parents told you you could be whatever you wanted to be, but you draw the line somewhere, okay? You can't, they call it transracial. They've got a name for it now. It's trans, where you, you're, you're born this, but you identify as a different race. Are you kidding me? That's a lie from the pit of hell. God made you who you are because He loves you and He wanted you to be that. Amen? He wanted you to be that color. He wanted you to be that gender, sex, whatever you call it. God made you the way you are. You can't just identify and change it, okay? It doesn't work that way. And lying to somebody and telling them that they're okay when it's like that, that's wrong. That is not okay. That is not loving to say, no, God made a mistake with you, man. He, no, he really did mean to make you Filipino, but you're, you're born in Miami. I, I, he, he got way off the... No, that's a lie from hell. But let me show you something else that Jesus said. John eight thirty two. It's only going to get worse, guys. Just hang in there with me. This is going to be a wild one tonight. I, oh, man. John eight thirty two. Woo! Well, all right. Yeah. It's the word of God. John 8, verse 32. So here's something else Jesus said. He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Why is it that the very thing that would set us free is the thing that freaks the most people out? I mean, the truth would change their lives, but they hate the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And when you tell them the truth, it makes them mad. And listen to me. And I've said this so many times. Sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. You may not agree with the truth, but that doesn't matter. Because you don't get to decide what's true. God already decided that. Just because I don't like that one plus one makes two, well, I don't, I don't identify with that. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't change the fact you have one apple, it gets you another one, now you got two apples. You don't have, I mean, this is kindergarten stuff right here. But it's the truth, and you just can't say, well, that I, now I believe for some people that can be true, but for me, I identify as one and one making six, you know what I mean? So I just, I feel something, like, no, that's a lie! Amen? 
The Lord is good. All right. And so you don't get to choose what's true. God already identified that and, and made that true a long, long time ago. But there is an absolute misconception and lie that our current generation believes. And, and that's you choose what's right for you. You, 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 you do you. you. You choose what's right for you. And I mean, hey, we're all responsible for ourselves. We can't make you believe in Jesus. We can't make right choices. But there are consequences to wrong choices. You know what? I can't make you, you know, not, not go out and jump off of buildings and stuff. I mean, that's your choice. You are free to do that. But you're not free from the consequences of your choices. You are free to choose. You're just not free from the consequences. You do some, if you have destructive behavior, it will eventually catch up to you. And then you can't say, you can't blame God for it. That's the best. Somebody does something stupid and then they blame God. Why did you do this to me? Man, you did that to yourself. God, God sent 20 people over the years to try to stop you. God sent people to warn you and you got mad and said they were judging you. They were trying to help you out and you got mad at them. And then you paid the consequences for your choice. And now you're blaming God. And I mean, I see this all the time. I, I've seen that a couple times this past week where uh, people that weren't serving the Lord, they eventually caught up to him. I'm not being mean, but now they're blaming God. And I'm like, dude, God's been trying to get into your life for 30 years and you've shoved him away every day. Now you're going to blame him. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. He tried every single day to get in, but you kept shoving him away. And now you're going to blame him for what's happened in your life. Well, it doesn't work that way. There is a thing called absolute truth. And there are absolute truths in this world. There are some things you just simply can't be neutral on. You know what I mean? And, and, and your decision about what you're going to do with Jesus Christ is one of those things. You have to make a choice. And no choice is your choice. That's rejection. And so many people, they want to be neutral. People don't want to make decisions about anything. But when it comes to Jesus... You have to make it. There's no, there's no neutral. There's no, well, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I'm undecided. Well, when he comes back, when those skies split open, when we hear that trumpet and see Jesus appearing in the clouds, if you haven't made your choice, the choice has been made and you chose no. And I mean, that's, it's just as real as that. And so there are absolute truths in this world, whether people want to believe that or not. You don't get to choose what's true for you. You don't get to make up facts and identify with different things. God made you. God settled in, in stone what truth was millions of years ago, before time ever even began. And, I want, and uh, we just read John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth the life. And so Jesus, by his own definition, is truth. Another verse you could write this down is Hebrews 13.8. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so let's just do a little bit of an equation here. Jesus is truth. Jesus never changes. Therefore, truth never changes. Because if Jesus had to say, and I know some people say, well, I know the Bible says this but for me, God spoke to my heart. And what had happened was he told me that it's okay for me to do this. He didn't say that to you. You heard something else. You heard the devil or something. But Jesus didn't tell you that you were the one, you were the exception. But everybody else in the world has to obey this, but not you. You're, you're... No, that didn't happen. Because if Jesus was wrong even one time, if Jesus has to change his mind on something, if Jesus has to change the truth on something, 
then that means Jesus isn't perfect. It means he was wrong somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way, he was wrong, which means he wasn't perfect, which means he was not eligible to become the spotless Lamb of God and die for the sins of the world because he wasn't perfect. He was just like us, and, and he, he messed up just like the rest of us. That's how important truth is. And that's how important that you realize that truth doesn't change. Jesus does not change. And because of that, he's perfect. And he was able to die for your sins because you are not perfect, just like I am not, and save us from hell. Amen? Isn't that good? That's good, man. I love the Lord. And so I want to look at point number two here, and that's this. Love looks out for others' best interest. So love doesn't lie, but number two, love looks out for others' best interest. Now, Jesus was a master at being able to look at the big picture of each scenario that he came across. So many of us are so short-sighted. We come up and, and, and I mean, in so many situations, we can only see five minutes into the future. But Jesus, he looked at the big picture of things. And again, avoiding tough love may help for the moment. It may make you comfortable for this current moment. But Jesus saw the big picture and he's like, I would rather hurt their feelings right now and save their soul from hell than lie to them and tell them, no, everything's okay. Just keep staying the way you are. Jesus would rather rub you the wrong way for a few minutes right now because he sees the big picture. You know what I mean? Parents, how often you, 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 your kids, you see them doing something really stupid. Yesterday, my oldest son, he put a piece of pizza in his pocket. He's my, he's like, not being mean, he's a smart one. And so I'm, I'm, I'm standing there and he's like walking through the house and I'm like, he just saw a piece of pizza and my son's, I'm like, Joel, is that a piece of pizza? Oh yeah, hey dad. And he's like, Why is there pizza in your pocket? What is wrong with you? And I mean, I guess it was kind of smart. I mean, cause he had pizza all day long. It was right there when he needed it, but Dude, that's not good. That's you're gonna stay in your pants. There's there's so many bad things that could happen with putting a piece of pizza in your pocket and walking around all day. That's weird. That's not good. And so, I probably offended him when I said, "Get that out of your pocket." But the good news is he didn't stain his pants, and and life was good. And 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 so many times when you're a parent, you have to do something that is gonna be offensive to your children for a minute because you don't want them to grow up and be an idiot. Amen. It's not cute to walk around with a piece of pizza in your pocket when you're 25. That's, that's no, it was kind of cute yesterday. When you're 25, 30, you walk into work like, hey everybody, we got some pizza here. Like that's not cute anymore. That's not cool. And so I'm trying to raise people that are not fools. That's, you know, I want them to serve the Lord, but goal number two is don't be a fool, don't be an idiot. And, and we're getting there, but sometimes when you look at the big picture, you got to realize I'm going to have to probably, uh, you know, hurt his feelings for just a minute here and tell him the truth so he doesn't think that you can walk around in life with pizza in your pocket. You got to get real with people sometimes. And so love looks out for the best interest of the others around you. And I want to show you an incredible story in the Bible. One of, the, to me, the most loving and compassionate stories in the Bible, but it's where Jesus had to get super straightforward with somebody and really, really be honest, brutally honest with them. Let's look at John chapter 4. 
John chapter 4. And, and as we read this story, I mean, it looks like Jesus, again, is being borderline offensive. But as you read this, you realize how much love is in this because Jesus is love. God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. God is love. So everything that Jesus did was motivated by love. And sometimes he had to kind of rub you the wrong way a little bit, but it was out of love because he wanted to save you. He wanted you to get on the right path. And sometimes as Christians, that's a character trait that we need. So John chapter 4, story of the woman at the well. So Jesus is going through some here and he stops and, and he talks with this woman at this well and he asks her for a drink and they, they get into this conversation and he's like, hey, I've got living water. She's like, really? Live? What is that? And so they start talking. John chapter 4, starting at verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. Oh, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Dang, Jesus. Woo! Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Yeah, he is. But I mean, seriously, Jesus, I, that, if I said that to somebody in 2017, I'd get slapped. I'd be in the newspaper. CNN would be down here interviewing the mean bigot pastor because he, I mean, it would be off the chains if some, if you were that truthful with somebody here. And let me pull out my list. Hang on. Oh, you guys know I keep a list of names that were called for speaking. Okay. We'd be a judgmental, closed-minded, intolerant, uneducated, xenophobic, holier-than-thou bigot. And, you know, I, I keep this list of names that, you know, we get called. But anyway, you'd be called all those things. Just because you told somebody the truth. And I mean, Jesus was brutal right there, man. That was brutal. He's like, yeah, you know, I, go get your husband. Talk about a setup. <laughs> he totally set her up for this. And, and then, I mean, she spoke the truth, though. She's like, well, I don't have a husband. Darn right, you don't have a husband. You've had five. Like, man, Jesus, you're not even living with the man. You're not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Man, Jesus. But we can look at this situation, and again, I, in my honest, heartfelt belief, the majority of people in our day and age would go into a massive meltdown and call them names and, you know, you mean poopy pants and all, cuss them out and everything else. But that's not what she did. She actually handled the truth. And when you receive the truth, even when it hurts really bad, it sets you free. And I'd rather be a free person than somebody that, you know, I, I've got my feelings all, you know, nobody hurts my feelings, but I'm captive to sin and I'm going to go to hell someday. I, I'd rather you just be blunt with me and tell me the truth because, listen to me, if you have ever been in a place in your life where you are not free and something is holding you back, you appreciate freedom. You'd rather be told the truth than to be living a life of bondage to the devil. I'd rather you tell me the truth, even if it hurts really, really bad. I don't want to be a slave. I want to be free through Jesus. And the truth sets you free, John 8, 32. And so, here's what happens. Let's skip down to verse 28. The disciples come up and they're like, you're talking to a Samaritan? You know, they get all mad. They're, anyway. But verse 28, 
the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Wait, she didn't get mad and hire a lawyer and sue him for defamation of character? No, she received the truth. She ran back to the village and said, this guy just read my mail. He told me everything I ever did. You got to come see this guy. And so verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. Wow. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. These people knew that Jesus was savior before a whole lot of other people did. What if Jesus lied to her that day? What if Jesus had not brought out the tough love on this woman that day? Think about it. Not only did she receive the truth and get set free, the entire community did. The whole stinking village came out and, and, and they, they begged Jesus. They begged him, stay and keep talking to us. Keep telling us where we're going wrong. Keep showing us the truth. He stayed there for two more days and all these people received Jesus. And these people, before a whole lot of other people ever realized it, said, this guy is the savior of the world. Why is that? Because tough love tells the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus would not have done her a favor that day by lying to her and saying, Oh, you don't have a husband? Oh, I thought, you sure? Okay, all right, fine, my bad, I'm sorry. That wouldn't have helped anybody. They would have all still been there in their bondage. But Jesus told the truth, and the truth sets us free. And, and I think that this is something that we need in our character is to be able to be truthful with people. We're not out fault-finding, but if you ask me, hey, am I doing something wrong? I should be able to tell you. Especially when you ask. Do you, I mean, people ask me all the time, do you see where I'm going wrong somewhere? And I mean, I'm a, again, I'm a super nice guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't like to tell anybody anything that's going to hurt their feelings, but I've got to get better at that and saying, yeah, man, I know what's up right there. I, what, what, you, need to, you need to change this right here. Because we don't do people favors when we tell them lies to spare their feelings. The long-term damage that that can do to somebody is sickening. It's wrong. And I think one of the meanest things we can do is tell somebody that everything's okay when it's not. You know, hey, just, just keep doing that. Just, you know, keep sleeping around. It's fine. You do you. I'll do me. You keep smoking that stuff, man. It's okay. Keep drinking that. It's good. That, man, don't. That's mean. Why would you say that to somebody? That's cruel. You know, I volunteered at the Barstow Pregnancy Center for several years. I was on the board there and stuff. And most of the young people that come in, I mean, the only thing they're concerned about is, is she pregnant? Oh, my gosh. Did I get this girl pregnant? She, and so most of the time. But the sad thing is. So many of these young people, you know, age ranges or anyway, so many of them, pregnancy is the least of their concerns. They've got a lot of diseases already, STDs and stuff. And I'm like, that, that's heartbreaking that for the rest of your life, you're going to live with an infectious disease because of mistakes that were made at this age. We're not judging them. We're trying to help them. We're trying to get them out of the bad situation that they're in. But sadly to me, because we think that people can't handle the truth or we don't, we want to spare people's feelings. 
We've lowered the standard in so many areas of our society. We're just like, well, no one's going to live up to it, so let's just change the rules and put it down here. No, nobody can make shots in a 10-foot goal. Let's raise it down to six feet. Then everybody can kind of make. No, lowering the standard, that kills people. That hurts people. That, that, you're not doing anybody favors. And Jesus never lowered the standard and said, well, I guess it's okay to steal if it's from rich people. Just don't steal from poor people. It's just as wrong to steal from a rich person as it is a poor person. You know, people justify stuff. They justify their decisions and say, well, it would be, you know, in Nicaragua. I was talking to the, the guy that, that we do missions work with down there. And he said he, he has to fire people from his place all the time because they see him as the rich American. So, yeah, it's okay to take his stuff. He's rich. That's not stealing. If it's from a rich guy, I would never steal from, you know, these, the poor people all around me. But... He's got a lot of money, so it's okay to take his stuff. Stealing is stealing. It's wrong. Stealing from Bill Gates is, you know, is just as wrong as stealing from the poor guy on the streets of Barstow. It's wrong. And people try to justify it, and, and, and we can't lower the standard. We can't lower the bar and say, well, not everybody can make it, so let's just put it down here. That way more people can make it. That is killing people and ruining lives. Jesus never changed the standard and said, no, we're going to change things around. He kept it the same. And it breaks my heart to see all so many young people that are with our, our schools and our, our leaders and our teachers, and even parents are like, well, I know you're going to do it anyway, so just be as safe as you can. You spineless coward jerk. You, what is wrong with you that you went, well, they're going to do it anyway, so just good luck. Just try, try to keep, be as safe as you can. Hope you don't get no one pregnant. Man, you little weasel, keep your pants on until you marry her. Yeah, good, good preaching, Pastor Dave. Thank you. you no, know, we're just getting real here. But I'm serious, man. And we're like, well, we know nobody does it anymore. And I, hey, listen, me and this lady right here, we were engaged for a couple of years. We dated in high school, and we, we'd never had sex until we were married. I know it's possible. And people told me that it wasn't possible. And, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not judging, so don't go into snowflake mode. Just stay with me. I'm trying to set people free tonight. But the truth of the matter is this. People will tell you it's impossible to live up to what the standards are. So just be as safe as you can and, you know, just, you know, go out and get drunk. Just don't drive when you do it. Go out and, you know, do this. No. No. <laughs> the standards haven't changed. And when you lie to people and tell them it's okay, just, you know, don't worry about what other people think. Just... No, that's not helping people. That's hurting people and sending them to hell. And Jesus would never do that and say, oh, it's okay. You just keep, you know, whatever makes you happy, you just do it. No, Jesus wouldn't do that. He told people the truth and said, man, that's not right. You know better than that. You're better than that. Come on, man. Get back up. You can do better than that. John chapter 8. The woman that was caught in adultery. They all, they all had her. Remember this? They had this lady out there and all these guys had these rocks. They're like, all right, we're going to stone her. Jesus, she was caught in the act of adultery. We walked in and we saw it. She's guilty, Jesus. What do you say we should do? And, and, and so, I mean, yeah, she was guilty. So was the guy. I mean, there's two people guilty here. Anyway, and so, she, so Jesus, he says this. He says, Okay, all right, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, oh yeah, the law says to stone her for sure. He who was without sin, throw the first stone. 
And so, of course, the Bible says they all started dropping their stones and walked away. And so what Jesus said next is is very uh, important for us to remember out of this story. This is in John chapter 8. He said, okay, did none of your accusers condemn you? She said, no, Lord, not any of them. He said, neither do I, but go and sin no more. He didn't say, I'm not going to judge you. You just, you do what makes you happy. You got to do what feels right to you. He didn't say that. He said, I'm not going to judge you. I don't condemn you, but go and quit doing that. You don't do that anymore. Okay. That's, that's going to hurt you. Don't do that anymore. He did tell her the truth, but it was all out of love. And when we tell people the truth out of love, the truth sets people free. And that's what Jesus always did. Amen. So let's get on to point number three here. And that's this. Love never fails. Love never fails. And whenever we do things motivated by the love of God, if I am walking in love and forgiveness, it's not always easy, but I'm guaranteed to never fail. I will always win if I'm doing things being, and I'm doing it out of the love of God. First Corinthians 13 verse 8, the very first part of that. First Corinthians 13 8, it says, Love never fails. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> love never fails. And so whenever we are making our decision, whenever I treat you out of love, I'm not going to fail. And some people say, well, I'd make you a pushover. Well, you know, hey, whatever. But I mean, I, as a Christian, I don't seek revenge on people anymore. That's not, that's not Christian-like. I mean, I don't sit there and let you, if you keep punching me, I am going to duck or walk away. But I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not out for revenge. You know, people have done me wrong. I don't need to pay them back. That's fine. Whatever. God'll take care of it someday. God, God will take care of that. But I don't need to go out and try to do God's job for him because when I try to do God's job, then he just, you know, I take it out of his hands. And I screw stuff up when I take it out of God's hands. I'm going to let God do what he needs to do. But love never fails. And so, again, I'm stressing that tough love doesn't mean that you're rude or abusive to somebody. But it means that you're able to help people see the truth of God's word. And so, I want to show you a quick video here. Uh, this is a story. You got that, Jose? Okay. This is a story um, of, of a pretty famous preacher named Jesse DePlanis. This is a story where he had the chance... And I may have shown this here before, I just don't remember, but it's one of my favorite stories of all time. So this is a story where he had the chance, and he's a, he's a Cajun man from southern Louisiana. He is Cajun. And he had the chance to lie to somebody, to spare their feelings, or be really mean and tell them the truth. So I'm going to show you this video, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> this meeting, and it leads up to this scriptures I'm going to pray. And this lady said, Brother Jesse, and I very seldom ever go to people's homes and, and eat. Not that I'm, that I'm not friendly. I'm a very friendly man. But if I do that, then, then I got to go eat everywhere. You understand? Then I weigh 5,000 pounds. You know? But anyway, I just, she said, I'm going to cook you a gumbo you've never eaten. you got the best gumbo you'll ever eat in your life. And I thought to myself, honey, you got a long way to go. Because she wasn't from the south. Or actually, she wasn't from Louisiana. especially south Louisiana. So I went, and you know, some people think a gumbo is a chicken diving in a pot. You know what I'm saying? And then jumping out. And I, all I did is ball chicken, ball water, a duck doing that, something like that. So I went down there, and, I, and, I, and you know, and I, we sat down, there and I met her husband, and he wasn't saved. And he was just kind of checking me out, you know, because I was a preacher, wondering what I want, probably an offering, you know, how that kind of junk is. Because he hears all that junk, and that's not true, but, you know. And I noticed, the two, but the two kids really liked me. But I'm so glad to come to this house. I said, thank you, and everything. Finally, all this, you know, she cooks it, she puts it on the table, she brings it to me. 
Now I look at it, and I could tell by looking at it that it was El Trasho. You understand? I could tell. I knew it was bad. I just knew it. So I thought, well, I'm going to eat this stuff, because the Bible said eat was set before you. And if she asked me, I'm going to lie like a dog. That's what I'm going to do. And I said, I'm going to tell a little white lie. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, no lies are white. I said, oh. He said, you be honest. I said, that's easy for you to say. I'm the one here. I got to eat this trash. You understand? You up in heaven saying, suffer. I don't want to eat this stuff. So anyway, she brings it to me, and she puts it in front of me, boy, and then she said, everybody, we all sit there. Now, I take this spoon, you know, a 20 double spoon, which is a big, you know, bigger than a normal teaspoon. It's like a, almost as big as a tablespoon, you know, a soup spoon is. So I go to do this, and I notice her husband looking at me, and he ain't tasting it neither. He's just looking at me, he's just holding it like this. And he just, I mean, he's staring at me. Now, and the two kids, they ain't eating nothing, they're just looking at me. I'm not exaggerating a bit. They're just looking at me. I'm thinking, my God, man. You know, I guess, they, well, they think because I'm a kid and I, I'm going you know, to test this gumbo. So I take it and I put it in my mouth. <laughs> Son, I mean, my God, worse. Di- trash. I mean, bad. Bad. Major bad. <laughs> Kill plants with it. You know, just bad stuff. This was, I'm, I'm trying. It was terrible. I hope this lady's not here tonight. I hope. So. <laughs> now watch this. So I'm sitting now. I'm going. Oh. And she said, well, how do you like it? <laughs> and out of my mind, lie, 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 lie. And the Lord said, don't you lie. You tell her the truth. <laughs> Boy, you, I'm praying rapture. Get me out of here. You know, I'm not rude. I don't want to be rude to me. If I tell it, be rude. And I'm, man, I'm just sitting there and I'm going. Now, her husband is just looking at me with that spoon. He ain't that touched. Neither the kid. They're just looking at me. She said, well, how do you like it? I said, well, ma'am. God, I got to be honest. I don't want to. I said, this is trash. <laughs> And her husband went, bam, and throw that spoon down. He said, I know you're a man of God now. I know you. I know you're a man of God. And it shot me. And the kids, they dropped their spoon. He said, honey, this is trash. We've been eating this for years. Don't never make this again. Ever. Never. Never. I'll never forget that. That man said, I've had preachers come here and eat that junk and lie like a dog. We know it ain't no good. You're the first man that told us the truth. He said, I believe you're a man of God. That guy got saved two weeks later because of that old dumb gumbo. Trashy gumbo. It was I mean, and the kid said, Mama, we didn't want to hurt your feelings, but never cook it again. I look over there, I could see the dog in the corner going, thank you, Jacob. I ain't got to eat this junk neither. Was not that she wasn't a good cook, is she didn't have the right ingredients. She didn't understand the flavor. She didn't know how to put it all together. There we go. Okay. So, anyway, that's the trash gumbo story. And but I'm thinking of that story like.
he, in that instance, he could have lied to try to help somebody's feelings, or he told the truth, and because of it, a man got saved, and, and all sorts of great stuff happened, but it's because somebody told the truth. And so here's what we're breaking it down to tonight, is that Jesus had tough love. He didn't just tell you what you wanted to hear so you'd feel good about yourself. He told you the truth, whether it hurt or not. Sometimes the truth feels good, sometimes it's really bad, but it's still true. And when you receive it, it'll always set you free every time. So love doesn't lie. And love looks out for others' best interests. And love never fails. If we're going to be like Jesus, we got to be full of love and we got to be full of tough love. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and end there tonight. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 